Welcome to another episode of the Prairie Perspective Podcast presented by Player Athletics. Matt here and alongside me is Eric Carter and Dinesh. Boys, it feels like we've been leading off with the NFL a lot lately, but we got to start there. It's been a busy 24 hours for quarterbacks around the league. And Eric, both of our teams acquired some new pivots. We've been really hyping up the potential of Russell Wilson heading to the Windy City, but today it appears that that chapter is officially closed. Andy Dalton joins the Bears. How are you feeling about the new man under center? This is absolute heartbreak as far as the Bears fan goes and as far as the Bears, <laughs> all of Chicago goes, this is an absolute letdown. Our GM needs to get canned. I think Nagy needs to be on his way out or at least on the hot seat. I think his time's coming and it's running short here. There's only so much a defense can do for a team, but you just need a quarterback to run your offenses. A quarterback is pivotal. See, but if your defense is that good, you should be able to just operate with who under whoever's it, under it doesn't work like that though uh-huh. you can't be you can't be rolling backup quarterbacks and expecting to make the playoffs <laughs> year after year i think the bears absolutely botched the situation this is absolute letdown as a bears fan i'm absolutely fucking fired up about this decision listen mitch trubitsky is a better quarterback than andy dalton why aren't you prioritizing and getting that guy back instead of instead of adding a guy like andy dalton who no offense to chetty's cowboys he fucking was a ruby red rotten under center for those boys this year and he didn't fucking help them much up so maybe maybe Chetty can I can defer to Chetty on this one and get his uh, little insider on how uh, Annie Dalton might be a starter for the Bears in a division playing against one of the best ever, Aaron Rodgers, and maybe think they have a chance at playoffs because that's just a fucking wash. No. They think Andy Dalton's better than Mitch Trubisky, and he's gonna I, get I think over. like come no, on, grow up. No, no I think no. the one thing I throw in is if you're going Andy Dalton, you only got to throw down maybe a one year deal. Trubisky, he's probably looking for something. He's looking for a bit more of a commitment, maybe three years. Chicago wasn't really willing to do that. They're kind of hoping the one year stopgap kind of thing. But listen to this though, Mitch. I know everyone Mitch gets Mitch gets a bad rap, but over his career as a Bears starter, he's 29 and 21. And he's got the Bears to the playoffs two of three years. Andy Dalton, on the other hand, he's he, he's come and gone. He's long gone. Long gone. So now hey, you're man, he's gonna be the optimistic. starter under center for the Bears, which is just absolutely pitiful. It makes me disgusted to be a Bears fan on a day like today where Andy Dalton's probably gonna be under center for the team this coming this coming season. And it is just absolutely unbearable to think of the fact that they couldn't fork enough to get Russell Wilson or the fact that they couldn't even put a little effort in to get Deshaun Watson like come on grow up fucking give your franchise to one of those guys and let's 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 start fresh here let's get a quarterback under center for the Bears because we know we've never had one really and, I like the uh, energy I like the energy Chetty you got <laughs> anything that'll make him feel a little better here because clearly you're coming in sour graves but I want to know what Chetty has to say about Andy Dalton being the starter for the Chicago Bears and as a guy who is formerly on the Cowboys how pathetic is he under center as a starting quarterback yeah, he wasn't great but um <laughs> that was that was a lot Eric I don't even know um been building up for the bears for the bears to sign andy dalton is an absolute disgrace in my opinion though oh my gosh you got nick Foles, trubinsky and andy dalton suck suck and sucky this is just terrible is like a five-star recruit next to those two dinglings no i don't know man like you were saying how trubinsky was so much better just last season than andy dalton and I could argue that. I mean, I think they were pretty like, equal. They both the kind of well, they both sucked. They both weren't good. But Mitch, you got to test. Mitch is much better. Like 29, 20. Well, Mitch is younger. Starter, and he's got the two playoffs, man. The guy's got upside. He's yeah. His dog days are behind him, right? He's 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 well, on the come up as one would think. Trubinsky's right? also playing with a defense that causes turnovers and he's getting more opportunity on the see, offensive side of the ball than Andy Dalton got with the Cowboys defense. I, see, like I'd go back to my point, Eric. I think this move really shows they're not really 
this move shows more. It's not about Mitch Trubisky being bad as it is. It's just they hey, don't want to commit long-term to him. He's okay. I don't think they want to commit long-term to him. I think that's what it is. They realize that this year, or they realize this guy isn't the guy that they want to commit long-term to. And they would rather roll the dice with Dalton for a year and try and see what happens in a year. Maybe the the Watson thing is still out there. If you commit three years to Trubisky, you're kind of hooped. I think the Watson and the Wilson thing, maybe there's still a slim possibility. Maybe next year, Watson's still in the same situation. They don't end up trading him and they can still attack it. Whereabouts where they'd still have Trubisky tied down. I still disagree. I think at worst case on Terra, Trubisky could be a backup. Obviously, he's not getting the paid the big bucks because we know how he would performing. be. He, he's going to be getting like 17 sheets, I would think. I think that's what he'd be looking at. He could, if, you, he could if you're getting a guy a like backup. Fitzpatrick 12, 17 million is a lot to pay to okay, backup so quarterback. Run this guy as the starter for another year. Maybe he comes out of his shell a little bit and starts playing a bit better than he has. I know at the end of last season, he started playing decent and he actually wasn't a bad quarterback. He was winning some games with the Bears. And as a fan of the Bears, I would say he was actually looking solid. He was looking good, right? He was slinging the ball around. But now at least give the guy another run at it. Like when you're deferring to Andy Dalton over a guy who's young and actually has some growth here, that's where I get disgusted. And like, what's going on? Like fire the crew upstairs making these decisions because you've already botched the whole drafting the quarterback, moving up for Mitch at two behind, I mean, average Mahomes, who's probably better than Mitch. I hate to say it, but he probably is. And then Deshaun Watson, like I don't, oh I don't say much. That guy's unbelievable, but like, I think a first round pick could still be on twice. the table here. I don't think Dalton's stopping twice. you from taking a quarterback in the first round. If this team's as complete as you kind of seem to believe, they got to be looking quarterback still. Hey, how about a huge slap in the face to Allen Robinson? Gets the franchise tag and doesn't have a quarterback to throw him the rock this year? Huh? I think he'll take Dalton over Nick Foles. Mm-hmm. Terrible well, move on the half of Bears, and it really. Know, I'm kind of I'm kind of curious based off harder. I'm kind of curious based off completion percentage. I mean, Andy Dalton was 65% last year. It's not very good, but I got to think that was a little bit higher than Trubinsky. I saw some of his numbers for a few of the games and they were pretty low. They were below 50%. So one guy's on the come up, one guy's on the down climb. No, I'm okay with that. Oh, 67%. Excuse me. Sorry. Trubinsky was slightly better than Andy Dalton. Take that back right now. Take that back. (laughs) Okay. Well, Eric, you, you've been a little grouchy. It's been a great, 24 hours for me i was a little worried that we were gonna end up with someone like andy dalton but instead we're getting mr fitz magic coming to town he's joining the washington football team i think he's going to be a huge improvement on dwayne haskins i think it's the perfect stopgap. i think he's exactly what this team needed their defense is elite and uh added another top 10 quarter in the league earlier today i'm excited to what fitz can bring to the table i love that the old man just keeps on churning a new team every year he's like the latroy hawkins of the mlb but in the nfl i love it I, I don't like Washington whatsoever, but I do like Fitzmagic, and maybe they can get Scary Terry really rolling with them at the Oh, I think one. Scary Terry's got to be happy. He's gonna, a guy that's going to be willing to sling it deep downfield. I think that's what uh, Fitz is all about. He's going to make some mistakes, but he's going to throw it deep. Dinesh, what do you make of the moves today? Yeah, I don't know, man. That Dalton move is a little uh, questionable, definitely, but I think they're going to roll the dice, you know? Maybe uh, they're optimistic that this guy can pull one out of his ass play like he did back in the day one year short term he give he they plays an unreal season and then uh and then they go different routes rather than uh like you were saying earlier commit to mitch who's on the come up but then what if he just freaking halts man then it's like three years wasted it's like hey but at least you stuck with your guns on the guy you drafted than just bringing in some schmuck who's washed out of cincinnati for the first so just because you draft a guy means you should sign him 
like, makes I think you they have a little more up. priority to stay with them. And I, then I, don't, really think, I don't think more. it does, man. I think it kind of shows that you're willing to uh, admit that you made a mistake and it's time to move on. It's Just because like you draft a guy doesn't mean you should sign him for another yeah, three years. Hell, man. Guys, like like this. Right away, think man. about it this way. <laughs> if you're starting a garden and you plant a seed in the ground, would you rather see it's much more rewarding to see you started that thing than buying a plant from the store that's half so, already grown? So so here's the thing. If the tree's way dead, more, if more. the tree's dead, but you planted it there, you're just going to leave it just because you want to no, look at it even though seed. it's dead? It's well, already you're gonna, dead. You're going to try to save it. Chop you're it down. You're going to try to save it. It's you're going to try to save it. Well, then you're just an idiot if you fucking killed it already. <laughs> well, it's, there's still some green on the tree. That's what I'm trying to say. There's still some green. So you're going to chop off a couple dead branches, but Mitch is fine. Every, Mitch gets a bad rep. He's 29-21 as a starter. That's not bad. That's better than the fucking Redskins organizations probably the last four years. So we're, we're good. We're mm, good. I don't know about that, to be honest with you. We're good. We're good down in Chi-Town, except Dalton came there. So now we're not good. And going back to the Redskins, though, Matty, I think, like, huge competition for that QB1. I know everyone's thinking Fitzmagic, but Hineke, See, I, is that I, how I you pronounce his Heineke, last name? Yeah, I think Fitz is a little better when he has a little bit of pressure on him, you know? You got to come in. You don't want to just give Fitz the number one job. You're comfortable when he takes it, but you kind of got to make him work for it, and uh, he needs to know that someone's looking over his shoulder. Taylor Heineke, uh, he was a stud in the playoffs, and uh, I hope he can come in and make a statement. I'd love to see him emerge as a potential starter for the team. Can we pivot a little bit to at least some good news for my other team, the Buffalo Bills signing two-time Pro Bowler, Manuel Sanders, to depth in that wide receiver chart alongside Stephon Diggs. Do you got any and, other uh, your favorite teams you want to talk about? Maybe the Seattle Seahawks, maybe <laughs> the, uh, like say, the Seahawks, New York say. Giants, uh, maybe the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You seem to like them quite a bit. Bills. Yeah, they got Gronkowski back. You want to talk about that? I do like Gronk. I do like Gronk a lot. Shaquem Griffin or Shaquille Griffin going to the Jags. Yeah, Shaquem. Yeah, that was a, that was interesting actually. Baltimore just getting all their defensive good players just piecing out one by one. How about Richard Sherman potentially to the Saints? Let's uh, send it over to the local headlines and boys. We teed it up last week. We had him on the show the week before, and now he's making uh taking the hockey world by storm. Connor Bedard. How about his debut in the WHL last weekend? Two goals in his debut, a goal and an assist in the following contest. And I believe he has an assist as we're recording tonight. Chetty, what did you make of uh, everything Bedard has been doing here in the dub? 15 years old. How are you? And his first goal is an absolute bing. That thing was sniped on the power play. Do it yourself. Carry it in. Snipe. How are you? Uh, I think, obviously, he must be something special. I mean, 15 years old and produced like that in your first games. Like, you think about the nerves he probably had and the absolute just... He's leading the team in points already, man. But uh, yeah, they caught the blade Sunday and bleed blue were uh, victorious. So I was very happy to see that chase waters also off to a hot start. How are you? But uh, yeah, that Bedard, that was crazy. It was, I watched those highlights over and over. And I'm like, come on. Yeah. He says he kind of tries to model his shot after Matthews and that like his goal against the blades, just roofing it over the shoulder. And Meyer just reminded me so much of Matthews picking up the puck on the half wall and just gliding right in and, putting all his weight into it. Love to see it. It's a good kid, and uh, it's been cool to see his success. Eric, what have you kind of made of it? You know, it's been something special, and I can say with honesty here, I think it's a little bit of the PPP bump coming out a little yeah, early. For yeah, the start, yeah. Starting his career in junior, PPP bump to start it. I don't know if I can name a better way to start your uh, your junior career, but uh, the kid's special, man. I, I know talking to him, super mature, like very humble kid. He's not arrogant. He's not that. He's not not – flashy in the way he talks but sure is flashy on the ice he's he's fun to watch that's for sure 
And it's scary to think just like looking at his physique, like he's not the biggest kid. And he's still got a lot of filling out and growing to do. So I think he's scary, scary to see where this kid could become and how good he could be. And he just sees me spanking the back of the net for a long career. I think here. I just got to like point out, imagine if you were the guy that landed him and you're like, I'm his agent. <laughs> you just got to be twiddling your thumbs right now. You're like, you're on Mexico. You're on a beach right now in Mexico, drinking pina coladas. Like, this oh, is going to make my career. How about the Pats? They got to be so happy to get this kid for another, what, two or three years. I guess he's going to turn pro. You have to assume right as he gets drafted. But I mean, for a junior franchise, like I know if, if he was to the blades, I'd be a lot more incentivized to head to a blades game of, like, I want to go to the Blades game when he comes to town. Yeah, no, for sure. Especially, yeah. when, like, when we had Kirby Doc that year, he before he got drafted, I mean, they were good. They drew a lot of fans. They had guys that fought, and they also had Kirby, who was scoring, like, ridiculous goals throughout the season. It brings attendance up, that's for sure. And Bedard just kind of seems to be the next level. Uh, Braden Yager, too, he had a, he had his first career goal tonight. He was the third overall pick in that draft. He's playing for Moose Jaw, so... Another big name there, but uh, one of the big headlines in the city this week was Saskatoon being awarded a CPL team, Canadian Premier League Soccer. From the sounds of it, a 7,500-seat stadium will be built at Prairie Line Park, replacing the horse track. I'm pretty excited about it. You know, DB, we've been kind of tuning into the soccer scene lately here. Uh, but Chetty, where are you at with the whole thing? I know you're you're a little unhappy to see your ponies leaving town. Yep. No. Definitely feel for anyone raising horses to race, whether they're yours, whether you're a jockey. I mean, very unfortunate. I love going to the horse race track with my grandpa back in the day. And then I like going to it now that I'm of age to have a couple cold ones and watch some ponies and win a little cash. But uh, um, for the for Saskatoon to get a soccer team like that, I guess it's huge. And I say, I guess, I know it's huge, but I'm not probably going to attend too many soccer games, to be honest. But I hope we can uh, find somewhere else for the horses to race. That's for sure. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm not really sure about this whole CPL shit. Like, what type of players they are. I guess soccer, soccer. So they got yeah, some I... half decent talent. Then I guess maybe I'll go watch a game or two. But CPL See, think... just seems like the freaking trash can of EPL. It's <laughs> like they're just trying to start something Saskatoon. See, I think the thing is, it's just like if you can create an atmosphere, like if you can get 7,000 people in there, you know, and you have a couple pops on a Saturday night under the lights, I think it would be an unreal atmosphere. If they can kind of cultivate that outside in the summer, you know, it'd be a good time. Like you see, look at like a Toronto FC, that's definitely not the best quality of football, but well, they but got Toronto the supporters. FC is professional MLS. Like that's like, uh, that's a good team we're talking about here. Not like, yeah, that's no, like high quality. Hey, no, no, here's the football. thing CPL and MLS, CPL and MLS, man, they, they play against each other and it's competitive. I'm going to be it's honest, sweat. being a Saskatoon guy and growing up here all my life, I don't see the market for a soccer team being put here. Uh, this just isn't the right, right see, market for a soccer team. See, I think I kind of disagree. I think you're uh, it's a little bit softer around Vancouver, Vancouver, where it's a little bit Vancouver? softer, but Saskatchewan. Part of the prayers when uh, conservatives dominate, and I would say people like the rush and hockey and physical contact and a little more CFL and drinking beers. Soccer. See, I think that's like a pretty uh, white kid perspective, though, don't you think? Like, I think there's a lot of people that maybe have different interests than you would be the yeah, pushback. That's look such at, a, that's such a one-sided white kid. Like, look how well like a Saskatoon Blades immigration is growing in Canada. Yeah, that's that's all I got in front of the MC boys. This guy has uh, no backup argument, so he just <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah, that's a white kid. It's a white kid perspective for sure. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know if it's going to be successful or not. Like, 
if you look at like the rush, people really took to that right away. And it was kind of because in my opinion, they were able to kind of create like that, that party atmosphere. Right. One thing I I do know though, is the soccer world cup that happens every year, which is just like people like creating teams like within the city. And it's like a pretty big event that gets a good turnout. Like the soccer crowd every year. I I know a couple of buddies who play in it, uh, like honey to and shit. (laughs) Like, I think like Zach Potters would used to play for Netherlands. My concern though is yeah, 7,500 people. 7,500 people is a lot of people. Like, I would be nice if, like, my worry is they're going to build too big of a stadium. You know, I in think 7,500 is optimal. You think they can get that every night though? Because that's the thing. Like, you want well, it's not be every night. It's going to be once a week. No, no. I mean, when I'm alluding, yeah, once I'm a week. alluding yeah, to perfect. Like, that's perfect, man. Okay. Once if they can do that, I think it's going to be super successful, and I hope it is because you know it's a good thing to get another sports team in the city. Seventy-five hundred sure. once a week. That's like per- people will get watch it, then you know a little break, and they'll be just in time for the next one. <laughs> yeah, that's the hope. You know, it's an optimal number once you put it through uh, Excel, run it through Solver. Remember, Chetty, optimal. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe uh, player athletics. Maybe they can be looking as the uh, the jersey sponsors. And uh, April first, if you're thinking player, that's the day to mark on your calendar. We're set to enter a new year in the world of player. The first under the player athletics rebound when they launch their 2021 line. If previous seasons are any indications, you're going to want to be ready to fire when the big day arrives. Tarps, quarter zips, and lids, they get it all coming. And just remember, we can help you save a little along the way. Throw down the Prairie 20 promo code for 20% off your order. Support local and support the boys. Now, time to send it over to Jim. Welcome back to the Prairie Perspective Podcast. The president of Football Canada, as well as the host of TSN's Crown Gridiron Nation, Jim Mullen. Jim, thanks for taking the time. Let's uh, get right into this. The big news, it kind of seems to be following Canadian football right now, and that's the CFL-XFL merger. What do you kind of make of it? And if you're a betting man, what do you kind of think it could look like? Well, I think the Canadian Football League uh, needs to take a look at every avenue possible uh, to, to reach more fans, to reach younger fans, uh, to reach um, outside of the uh, Canadian marketplace. And I applaud them for, for looking to um, other roads uh, to do so. Uh, you know, the, uh, the, the XFL is an interesting case. They played five games uh, in a season the last <laughs> time around. Um, the, I don't know about you guys, but watching the XFL last time around, there were a lot of encouraging signs from that league. The attendance wasn't one of them, quite frankly. They average about 18,000 a game. Uh, but the game itself and the television play and the level of production around that league uh, was the encouraging portion. And uh, if it weren't for COVID, I think they would have at least had a run of two years uh, uh, with that league. By, by that time, it was anyone's guess. Um, it'll be interesting to see what comes out of this. Uh, I'm under the impression uh, through various discussions that um, the CFL and the XFL have been talking about this for a number of months now, and that this needed to get um, uh, out there because there was uh, a reporter or two who were ready to break it all on their own. And um, they have gone down the road on this. What it looks like is anybody's guess, actually. Um, uh, there's the uh, normal Canadian inferiority complex uh, position that um, the CFL is ready to give everything up. I'm not so sure about that. I think it's the CFL that brings equity into this, uh, into this relationship and um, a level of integrity into this relationship. Uh, so 
you know, with that, um, you know, with that hundred years or 150 years of football in this country, I, I, I think that um, uh, it's the CFL that has a bit of hand. Um, I, I know there's a hedge fund involved that has $4.1 billion in funding and has been going on a bit of a uh, sports franchise buying spree uh, over the last couple of years. Um, but, you know, we've seen big money come and go in this league. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see if it has staying power. Um, at the end of the day, I, I, quite frankly, I don't know. I, I don't know. This could just be a business relationship. This could be a full integration of the two leagues with a hybrid game. Um, this could go absolutely nowhere. I know the last year in sports has been hard, especially for CFL. But um, do you think this is kind of brought on more so due to COVID? Do you think this possible expansion with the XFL is brought on because of it? Uh, I think I think COVID's um, uh, obviously triggered uh, some challenges within uh, the CFL's business model. I think COVID's triggered on some challenges within a lot of business models <laughs> across the world and, and in this country. Uh, and it's just it's just accelerated uh, the issues that were on the uh, CFL's doorstep. Um, if not for COVID, I think the, the uh, Canadian Football League would still be up and operating and, and having the issues uh, that it had uh, uh, coming out of the 2019 season, which is, um, you know, equal market presence to the, to the NFL in Canada when you take a look at TV numbers uh, and you take a look at consumption patterns, but the demographics are are highly skewed um, to a younger demographic uh, with the NFL and highly skewed to a middle-aged older demographic uh, with the CFL. So uh, that renewal wasn't taking place uh, in terms of uh, developing new new fans. I think the CFL will be up and running right now, but it would still have that, that set of challenges in front of it. I just... just uh doing a little digging and it's kind of like the American league when a team in the American league travels to the national league and the MLB, the pitcher has to hit. So in this situation, when a CFL team travels to an XFL team, are they going to play four down football? And then when an XFL team travels to a CFL team, is it three down? Well, I think one of the things that Randy Ambrosi was looking at with, um, with 2.0 uh, and he wasn't looking at the American marketplace, uh, quite frankly, with 2.0, he was looking at other emerging football marketplaces is that if you're going to take the uh, Canadian game to uh, a number of stadiums that only could fit a football field in, uh, like a soccer field in, that you would have to make some sort of adjustments to the field. So uh, one of the things out there was, you know, instead of the 110 yards, go to, a, go to 100 yards and have whatever you could accommodate in terms of end zones, be it, you know, 15, 17, or the or the maximum 20. I think that that's where the one compromise is uh, internationally when you take a look at uh, some of the uh, facilities that the XFL operates out of. Um, so I, I think there would be some challenges field-wise. And uh, I think the XFL is also a, a league, as we've seen through their um, uh, television broadcasts, that is very aware of how their games show on broadcast. So I think the last thing that they want to do is is to go into a place that has permanent uh, NFL lines and paint over fields and and, and quite frankly do things half-assed. Uh, they, they they don't want to do that. So um, to so further to your question, 
I would certainly prefer if an XFL team came up here and played Canadian rules and we went down there and played American rules and, and you know, played XFL rules with, with, with some of the innovations they had too. I, I love that kickoff. The kickoff was I awesome. Think the kickoff's awesome. It's a yeah. great safety innovation. Um, there's a number of other things that um, that the XFL employed that I that I like. There were the a number converts. of things that they that, yeah that they talked about. They talked about a yard off the ball. They they, they talked about uh, no yards. They they they've talked about these things and talked about employing them. So, you know, maybe the the XFL game is is a game that can come closer to the Canadian game than we actually think uh, from the outset. A merger would kind of be something to look at down the line, but where are you at with uh, this coming season? There's still a lot of questions. What, a, how long a season could be? How many people are getting into fields? I know we're all kind of hoping maybe to get to Mosaic this year and be amongst the 30,000, but where are you kind of at with uh, what you're expecting this season? Well, uh, I'm hoping there's a season. First yeah. of all, I think we all are. Um, I think it'll be a, a slightly later start uh, because of the vaccine rollout in this country. Uh, as we record this today, uh, Ontario is announcing a third wave of COVID, and they don't know how deep and far that the, that will go. Uh, I've been saying to anyone who will listen that uh, um, if I had to, you asked me if I was a betting man earlier, if, uh, if I was to put a bet down, I'd bet on variants over this uh, vaccine rollout, uh, quite frankly. And so I think there's there's going to be challenges in this country heading into the summer in terms of, of getting back to at least some sort of half degree of normal where we can uh, have public events. Um, you know, there are some CFL owners out there that will need to be prepared to um, fund their teams to stay relevant in the, in the marketplace. Um, they're, they're going to need to make that um, investment, lose that money uh, on the front end uh, to make things work. Is it an issue with any of the uh, community nonprofit teams? I don't think so. Is it a problem in Calgary? I don't think so. Is it a problem with Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment or OSEC or Bob Young? I don't think so. I, I think your, your, your challenges um, would be in Montreal uh, with new ownership there that hasn't uh, had a single game to play yet and had, hasn't had any real revenue through the door. And then the uncertain status in BC uh, with – uh, the team owned by um, an estate uh, that's in probate right now um, and is, you know, paying the bills through the estate on a, on a, on a monthly basis from what I understand. Um, you know, th there's, there's, there's certainly con concerns there in terms of getting all the teams on side to commit to playing a season of football. You know, what does that look like? Does it look like 18 games? Does it look like 16? Does it look like 14? Does it look like 18 starting late and ending late um, and, and not doing the Grey Cup in Hamilton? I think those are all questions that are out there that we don't have answers to yet. Shifting it over to you, sports, there's been kind of long rumblings about a spring football jamboree in Laval, Western, Mac, Calgary, Montreal, and of course the Huskies. Where are you kind of at with that? I know like Quebec, they've been a little more lenient to sports going on throughout this kind of wave. QMJHL hasn't really missed a beat. What's your confidence level like in terms of that event? Well, yeah, they want to run an 11-day, um, uh, three-game-day tournament. Uh, yeah. Glenn Constantine has uh, driven that since uh, this last September. He came to us in Football Canada and asked for um, 
uh, our blessing on it and we gave it. And I know football Quebec did as well. Um, you know, it's at the start of the May, uh, start of May rather. I, I think he can uh, pull it off if there's a, if there's a window there from the uh, Quebec government. I think interprovincial travel is going to be probably his major challenge. Is he going to get all six teams there? I'm not sure about that. Um, I would like to see some sort of spring football like we've seen with uh, some of the lower tier division one teams uh, stateside. You know, it was nice to see uh, Maine and their Canadians playing over the weekend, uh, for example. Um, I don't know. I, I'd, I'd give it about a 40-60 right now. We haven't heard too much out of uh, Quebec after they made that push back in, in uh, January to get the okay from us. Uh, but if they need any help on it, we'll, cert we'll certainly uh, uh, lend a hand. Where are you out with the Canada West season? Like my kind of assumption of the Huskies was maybe worst case scenario. We're looking at maybe a delayed schedule, regional, maybe like two games versus the Ramps and the Bisons. Where are you kind of out with the Canada West? I, I think what... Um, uh, uh, not just Canada West, but right across the country. I think the major challenge right now is with uh, funding from student fees and uh, that not being available to uh, athletics departments. And, you know, I think there might be uh, some steps to take for some cost savings uh, to, to operate the season this year. Uh, does that mean uh, a reduced travel footprint? Maybe. Does that mean starting a training camp when students are in session and starting the season later? I think that's a real possibility. So training camp could actually start on uh, Labor Day weekend rather than in August. And, and the start of your season could be uh, in and around September 18th, 19th uh, with, a, with an end to the uh, university season in the last week of um, November or the first week of December. Uh, it's entirely possible that we'll, we'll have four conference champions and no Vanier Cup being played. Um, those, those, are, those are all in, in front of uh, uh, university football right now. I know that we talked about taking our Canada Cup final or our final four if we have some games in the summer and playing that final uh, in Vancouver um, in and around um, uh, the winter holiday uh, part of the calendar. And, and had some talks with um, U Sports about pairing up the Vanier Cup with that because that's something that could drop into bowl season for them. But the cost of um, uh, you know, bringing two teams with the way their playoffs break down from, from essentially or potentially Quebec and Ontario into Vancouver, that's $250,000. They can't, they can't afford that right now. They, they need to take a path that is uh, – that is fiscally prudent if they want to get a, 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 a national championship done, but I don't know how you do it <laughs> in, in the, in the, in the second week of December or the third week of December in Eastern Canada. I, I don't know how you pull that off. I know U sports has kind of come out and said their uh, seniors will get another year of eligibility. And then obviously this was going to hurt recruiting a little bit this year. How do you think that has effect on the kids coming into the program and maybe recruiting for those younger, younger year students in U sports? If I'm a younger uh, student coming into the system, I examine my options. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and I, I think one of those options is um, certainly looking at uh, playing junior football for a year. Uh, I think that's a great option. Uh, you're going to get more reps. You're going to get more playing time. Um, you're going to have an opportunity uh, to, um, to get your grades up if uh, that, that also remains a concern. Um, you know, you, 
option of uh, of going stateside and going JUCO. Uh, there, there's all kinds of options out there uh, to to get more reps and get more playing time, or you can use that to burn your redshirt season, um, and and also focus on your studies. Because as much as we like to talk about football, I, I think when you get to that stage of your life. Uh, football is just a vehicle for you to uh, find a way to uh, subsidize your education. Maybe one last one here for you. Let's touch on uh, Nelson Lacombo. Obviously, really talented standout defensive back with the Huskies. CFL drafts coming up. I mean, there's been a bit of rumblings about maybe some NFL potential. Where do you kind of think things kind of fall here for Nelson? Obviously, it kind of seems like he'll be a first or second round guy in the CFL, but do you think there's any potential he could get down to NFL camp? I, I would hope that he that he's a first round guy yeah. in the in the CFL draft, at least late first round. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I hope he gets gets a look at an at an NFL camp or an NFL mini camp, and that mini camp isn't at the, with the New York Giants because the New York Giants like to bring in about about a dozen Canadians every year for a look and then send them all back. Yeah. Well, no, it's a serious mini camp invite if he. Uh, if he lands in some other destination, uh, you know, he, he, he comes from, uh, a, a great football family from the, uh, from the Fa- Fraser Valley, um, you know, Bola combo, um, you know, everybody knows him, uh, in, in Canadian football circles from playing both sides of the line. And then, uh, I've seen, I've seen brothers and cousins play out here too. And in, in, at the high school level and the, uh, and the junior level as well. So, uh, I, I think he deserves uh, d- deserves that uh, that first round look, especially when when you could play a defensive back at if you moved him to corner on the on the field side, he's starting there. He he's walking into that with his uh, with with his uh, with his uh, skills uh, and and his measurables uh, halfway into a season if you can coach him up for it. So. Um, and, and he might be uh, might be pretty potent on special teams right away as well. I'll just maybe ask you quick: if there is a Canada West season that kind of goes as planned, where are you at with the Huskies? Obviously, pretty talented team. Mason Nyhouse, he returns; he's a year older. Adam Mackard, I think we all feel that he was the best player in the country last year, and he got robbed. Ramsey Dervis mm-hmm. is a stud. Multiple CFL draftees. Where are you kind of at with uh, the Huskies? Obviously, the Dinos are always competitive, but where do you kind of think those two would stack up amongst the the rest of the West? Well, I, I think you know you take a look at um, at, at Calgary and you got to pencil them in every year uh, <laughs> at the top. It's just it's just a default position, and one of the reasons for that with uh, with Calgary is that you know behind the scenes, their alumni really uh, is structured well and funds that program quite well. Uh, they've got they've got everything they need. Um, uh, the Huskies, uh, their main strength, as you said on the field right now and and with their coaching staff and uh, and are they are they one two coming into this year um I, I think ubc is the big question mark right now there's been some uh, recruiting wins uh, out at ubc does that translate right away uh, i don't know um university of alberta has been more focused on having to fundraise in in the offseason with their with their shortfalls than anything else, and I don't think that loans itself to stability. No matter how well Chris Morris uh, has recruited, especially on the uh, on the offensive line, and there's a lot of funding worries at the University of Manitoba as well. So, um, if I'm if I'm looking at stability, and if I'm looking on at, at skill on the field, uh, I'm looking at the two top teams uh, dressing in red and green this year. Well, hopefully we can see that play out, Jim. Thanks for taking the time. We always appreciate it. Yeah, anytime, guys. 
Okay, big thanks to Jim for taking the time. Uh, now from uh, University Athletics north of the border to south of the border, we'll bring him on now. Owen Weiss talks some March Madness, which kicks off Friday. It's one of the best times of the year. And who better to chat with than the O-Dog himself? Owen, uh, let's let's uh, see where you're at here. Who's your uh, maybe upset, maybe a Cinderella team in your eye and maybe a double-digit seed that can make a run at the thing? Yeah, so I think if we're going to go with an upset or a high seed, I think you got to go to the Midwest. Syracuse Orange, Jim Beheim, previous record of doing well as a high seed. One appearance in the Final Four as a 10 seed. Another one in 2018. Made it all the way to Sweet 16 as 11. So I'm going with them. I think they have an easy way, well, relatively easy way to the Elite Eight. That 2-3 zone's destructive. Always is. Exactly. Who's your, uh, who's your guy? Who's your team? Is it going to be Mark Few and Gonzaga that can get it done? I know that's kind of the direction everybody seems to be going right now, or do you got a little bit of a interesting pivot in store? I, I think the safe direction is to go with the Bulldogs. Uh, it just seems like their year, everything's aligned for them. Uh, I mean, in the non-conference play, they took care of basically everybody by 15 plus. Um, but I think if you want to, if you're going to be in a bracket challenge, as we talked about earlier, Matt, I think you got to go with somebody else. And honestly, I'm going to go with Illinois is who I have right now winning the tournament. Interesting. Interesting. I know you mentioned the loss of uh, Livers. He's a concern for you as a Michigan supporter. Do you believe they're maybe the like the uh, most likely number one seed to fall short here? Mm, I still think that Michigan is good enough to make oh, the elite and I have them losing to Texas there. No, I, I just don't think like LSU doesn't play defense at all. Um, Florida State maybe a tough matchup, but I think Michigan can get by there. But then they end with I think Texas comes out of the East, just shock of smarts. Matt Coleman at point guard, and they're just so big inside. Great team, but I think if you want to look at a one seed that could possibly go down early, which not until like yesterday I didn't think about this, but uh, Baylor going down I think in the Sweet 16 to potentially Purdue. I think that's reasonable. Purdue's got the inside game to really counteract Baylor there. And they got good guards right now that could match, I think. But I think if there's going to be a one seed that's going to go down early, it's Michigan or Baylor. But I'd say Baylor right now in the Sweet 16. Dinesh, have you been eyeing the bracket yet? What are your kind of takes? I know you're always the big high school hoops guy. You kind of followed a, followed a love of it when they reached college. But who, what are you kind of eyeing here? I know you're a big yeah, Jalen Suggs guy. Yeah, I'm a big Jalen Suggs guy and Gonzaga <laughs> guy, man. I don't know. I used to have some Gonzaga merch and shit back in the day when me and Weiss went. But Junior Huskies. Yeah, those days. But yeah, we went a few mean, times. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, I, I like them. I like to see him win because it seems like uh, they've been close a couple times. That uh, the Hachimura year, I think, or the year before, they were really close, or they were in the final and they lost. So I'd like to see Mark Few maybe get one, but then Texas. I know uh, Mr. Greg Brown hasn't been playing like uh, he was supposed to be <laughs> known to, you know, come out of high school. They fuck, he was supposed to be a, a G League guy. And then now he's barely averaging, I think, like seven points a game. People are saying like he's underperforming. Hell, he got benched two days ago. So now I'm not too optimistic about Texas because like I thought he was their guy. Well, did you see how that happened? Pardon? Did you see how that happened with the Greg Brown situation? No, I didn't even see it. I just heard, like, this guy got benched and not from the outside in. I was like, okay, well, this guy's supposed to be an unreal player. Next thing you know, he's getting benched, man. <laughs> <laughs> no idea what happened. Yeah, he told off Shaka Smart. He told off Shaka Smart after 
two straight turnovers, and then he just walked out, went back to the locker room. They had like two trainers chasing him, and then uh, yeah, no, he's for all that I've heard, he's not going to be in the lineup at least for the first game. But see what happens there. Interesting. Is uh is Jalen Suggs a player to watch at the tournament for you, Odog? If you're maybe like a non, uh, maybe a little bit more of a ca- casual college hoops guy, maybe you're more of an NBA guy. Who do you think is kind of the household name and uh, who will kind of be known across North America after this after this tournament wraps up? I, I think it's Cunningham, Oklahoma yep, State. Yep. Potential number one pick. Sick. Like Suggs is fun to watch, but he's also got Kispert there and Timmy and Nebbar, Canadian. But when you look at Oklahoma State, like Cunningham controls. Like he's if Oklahoma State's going to go to the Sweet 16 or potentially the Elite Eight, it's going to be on Cunningham. He's such a fun player to watch. I mean, six, eight point guard guy does it all. He's going to be the one everybody's wanting to watch. The thing I got, is o- I got Oklahoma state over uh, Illinois in the sweet 16. Uh-oh. That's when my first Uh-oh. number one seed gets eliminated right there. See, the thing yeah, is with Cunningham that I think of is like the past, like elite guards in the past that have came into this tournament. Like I think of like D who went high ja in the Morant. draft. I think of jaw. I think of Trey young. And it's just like, it's not enough to carry. And I think a lot of times we kind of fall in love with that, like that star player, right. That NBA player. But truth is like, that doesn't really completely move the needle in call troops. Yeah, no, I agree. But he's you different. Think he's it's, different hey? that, it's at six, six, eight. And like, he'll just be quiet in the first half. Like I think in the last like six games, he's averaging like seven or eight points in the first half. And then the second half, when they need him to get going, it's unbelievable. Last 10-minute stretch in games, he's unbelievable. He just takes over. He's averaging, I think, 18 points in the second half in the last four or five games. Like, He's the real deal. I, I think he's different than Trey Young, where Trey Young is just – he relied on the three a lot. And he didn't have a supporting cast there. He had Manic, I guess, a little bit. But kind of has still got some players with him. So I, I think Oklahoma State, I think Bamer might be right there. I, I could see them taking down Illinois. It'd be fun to watch. A.O. versus uh, Cunningham. Ooh. Keep in mind, I know absolutely nothing about college <laughs> basketball. I just know who Kate Cunningham is. <laughs> Sucks oh. to see no Kentucky in the tournament. I was looking forward to seeing Brad in Boston. That guy's sick. And he's also like top, top 10 projection in the draft. Too bad that guy ain't playing. Duke, Jalen Johnson, I don't know where he's supposed to go, but he got injured, pieced out, says I'm doing, getting ready for the draft. You know? first time in a long time you don't see those two teams play it's kind of you know shitty you know you knew they weren't going to make it that far but like still a lot of stars the whole recycle program you don't get to see it this year what about uh Loyola Chicago in the round of 32 over Illinois shout out to Bradley basketball for not making it (laughs) (laughs) just kidding that could be interesting that could be interesting because they got so the big thing with Illinois is that they got Kofi inside. Kofi Cockburn, my guy. <laughs> yeah, he's like 6'10", 300 pounds. You're not moving him. But uh, Loyola's got a guy back from that team that made it to the Final Four. That was, I guess, three or four years ago. Uh, it's their big man. He's about 6'10", and he's thick. So I think they can cover there, but I don't know if they have the outside game to match what Illinois has in Carbello and AO. It's just, I think it's too much out there. But the inside game will be interesting there. But they got the the hundred and however year old grandma. She's in attendance. Yes. I saw Sister that today. Jean, is Sister Jean getting <laughs> the bubble? Yeah, she is. She is. Yeah, she's flying to the first game. Oh, I love that. Love that. Good for Sister Jean. 
Odog, what do you kind of think is with the future of college troops? I know you're a big college guy, but do you kind of see things changing a little bit? I know there's a couple of the big, big time prospects this year that elected for the G League. Do you think that's a trend that'll continue here? You know, I, I was talking about this with a buddy a week back, and it, I think it was a good thing that's what's happened this year with those guys that went to the G League. So the G League was like smaller this year. They just had that bubble. But so you had Jalen Green, and then there's Jonathan Kamonji. I'm going to pronounce his name wrong. And there's a few other guys like Isaiah Todd, who was supposed to go to Michigan. But when you look at the draft board, I think Green and uh, Jonathan are in the top five or top 10. But the other guys are not even in the top 20, it looks like right now. So I, don't, I think it was a good thing that they didn't, like their draft stocks didn't boost a ton this year. And you still see guys like Suggs and Cunningham. But more importantly, you see seniors like Corey Kisper, he comes back. He was supposed to be projected, I think, early second round. The guy's supposed to be top 10 pick now. So I, I think it was a good year for college that they got tested, but it seems like these players, at least the guys who came back to college this year, boosted their draft stock. So I, I don't know. I, th- I think it's a good move. Where was, uh, where was Cunningham before the year? Was he like a consensus top five guy or is it kind of a bit of a bloomer? No, he's still top okay, five. Okay, he's still top five yeah. guy. Okay. Yeah, he sort of blew up in that uh, in his junior summer on the UIBL circuit. And then his senior year, he was number one ranked for the most part. But I think Jalen Green might have finished off at number one. So why would a guy like that, like what makes him go to Oklahoma State? Like for football, top <laughs> recruits go to like Bama, Ohio State. Like what makes him go to Oklahoma State? Is that a stupid Trey question? Go there? Trey, yeah, Trey went to Oklahoma. Trey, no. No, Marcus Smart went to Oklahoma State. There's some decent names that came out of there, but I mean, man, I want to model my game after Marcus Smart. Eh? <laughs> I well, can't think one, of him off the top, but well, this one's interesting because so Kate Cunningham has an older brother who played in college, and like a year ago, they were kind of recruiting Kate at the time, but then they hired his brother as an assistant coach, so he just that's just there. genius. Hey? Oh, genius! That's almost like the little James Wiseman. Um, Penny Hardaway move your uh, move your house kind of situation there. Exactly, and USC did the same with Mobley. Uh, they got Evan Mobley, but there's also his older brother Isaiah, and their father has some sort of role in USC basketball. So those two guys went there. Oh, the it's politics! Just, I, it's, it's it's kind of a good move for these these programs because I don't know. It's it's a good move. I know, kind of like year after year, we've kind of. Like, grown accustomed to seeing the Canadians partake in the tournament this year is a bit of a down year for Canadians. I know you mentioned Nambard. He uh, figures we'd be making a deep run here with Gonzaga, but is there another uh, guy from north of the border that you can really see making a name for himself this tournament? So I think if you go back to Syracuse and if they play far into the tournament, there's a Quebec guy on Syracuse. He was a third team, all ACC Quincy Geyer. And uh, like 6'8", six, 6'9", six, guy, I think he averages like 12 points this year. But uh, I, I, think he's, I think he's interesting. And then with Alabama, if they go far in the tournament, which they're kind of expected to, they got a young freshman, Josh Primo, another Canadian guy who uh, starts usually for Alabama. They kind of rotate it, but uh, he was out with an injury. But if he's back, I think, uh, I think he could make some moves in the tournament. Yeah, I know we were hoping to see Emmanuel Acott, the Boise State Bronco, but uh, he uh, didn't respond to an interview request from PPP, and he didn't make the tournament, so karma. Uh, boys, let's wrap this up here. Let's uh, throw down our championship picks. I know, Odog, you mentioned Illinois as your national champion. Dinesh, who do you got? Got to go homer pick. Take Gonzaga's eggs. Mark, if you 
freaking Jalen Suggs. That guy's sick. Maybe the boys and will then, celebrate at Wolfie's after. And then freaking Andrew. You know, I mean, tough, tough, tough bounce for him. Florida didn't play well. Hell, maybe even came off the bench there. I can't remember. And then fresh start. Hopefully he can get a chip and then maybe uh, solidify himself and peace to the league. You never know. Eric, you've been awful quiet here. I know you've been thinking up a storm for this one. Yeah, I'm a big basketball insider for the NCAA. No, no way too much. So I've just been uh, shutting my mouth here because I don't want to go too long talking. So I'll uh, lay it all on the line. All I got for me right now is I got Baylor Bears. I think Zag is going to have a hard time. I miss, I miss say it's kind of like Team Canada and the World Juniors face no adversity. I think they're going to have a hard time when their back's up against the wall. I don't think they'll know how to perform. And I think they'll uh, end up choking along the road. That's why I'm going to go with the Baylor Bears. I like them. You know, I would push back on Zaga facing no adversity. They played an absolutely loaded schedule. Odog, correct me if I'm wrong, but they had Kansas, Iowa, uh, Virginia, West Virginia. Like, they played a really loaded schedule this year. This isn't a cupcake West Coast Conference schedule that they had. Yeah, they, they, had, a, they had a tough non-conference schedule yeah. there at the start, and then they had the COVID. They were supposed to actually play Baylor. but Baylor, right. That was the canceled game right on right before right around Christmas, right? That was the holidays. Yeah, I believe we had a bet on that, Matt. We did. But, I, we uh, were going to bet. Fortunately, she got shut down. Yeah, you were really confident in Baylor for that game. Chetty, what's your what's your call? And um, once again, not really an expert when it comes to college hoops. Love watching March Madness, but I think I got to go Gonzaga. I, I In my bracket right now, I got Oklahoma State in the final. But I, I just think Gonzaga is too much to handle at that point. And also, I don't know if Oklahoma State's going to make it that far. I just got a favorite player to watch. But uh, yeah, we got to go Gonzaga. I feel like when you go 25 and 0, like you said, with that tough schedule, I mean, you've proved a point. They look like they're pretty good at basketball. So, Odog, you told me before we got going here, you had two, two locks that you already got on the Betway account. Maybe uh, give the listeners your advice here. What do you got for us? Okay. Well, I wouldn't take my advice matt you know my record with gambling it hasn't been great so far but a few things that i thought were decent so the first one is in that play-in game and the line is like two right now i think it's at two for michigan state ucla ucla is just not a good basketball team and michigan state i mean is in march i'll take that so um i had them i had michigan state covering that was my first one and then the second one again my bias but um Syracuse, San Diego State, I mean, the payout, it's like 2.5 right now. If you put it on Syracuse against San Diego State, I think I think that's almost a lock, but <laughs> coming from me. Uh-oh, the lock's a dangerous word. Right okay, we'll see how it plays out. We'll see how it plays out. Odog, appreciate the time. Hope that uh, the listeners can gain some insight from you because I know uh, we probably, we sure need it, so. <laughs> oh dog i'm splashing on those two picks right now <laughs> perfect uh my apologies in advance if those don't work out Eric. no i like it you're confident behind your picks yeah it's all it's all about the confidence right if you can just say it confidently <laughs> you'll convince the betters okay big thanks doe dog for taking the time and dinush this is the one you've been waiting for another week another pick nailed hopefully there's some uh, listeners out there who have been taking advantage of your uh of your calls what do you have to say for yourself after going back to back after JT got it done at TPC Sawgrass? Yeah, I don't know, man. Just uh, <laughs> keep riding the hot wave. Keep riding the wave. Go with some good players, and you're always bound to win. You can always trust the trusty good players in the final home stretch. Kind of going off that, it's a bit of a quiet week at the Bear Trap this week. Honda Classic. A lot of guys taking this one off on the on the schedule, but nonetheless, got to make a pick. 
let's let's hear who you got this week at the Honda. Yeah, I think this year I gotta go some guy, you know, Ozzy Adam Scott. That's who I'm taking. He's best ranked, I think, or one of the better ranked players in the tournament. And uh, he's, I think he won last year and he's due for a win this year. And it's the perfect time to peak right before Augusta. Defending champ at Augusta, right time to peak. I think he gets it done and then takes a couple off and then tries to go get a two-peat at the Masters. I like it. Adam Scott's a nice, nice payout, 19 to one. He's at right now. Uh, Daniel Berger, he's 10 to one. He's the odds on favorite. I think he's like 11th in the world rankings, DB. Yeah. Yeah. Right around However, there. So after I read dealing... the injury news. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, he's dealing with the rib injury. He was battling last week at the players didn't play his best golf. That's a little concerning for me. I, I hope he can kind of get into form here. Cause he's a nice player and he'll be making his master's debut here in the coming weeks. But who Adam Scott, Hey, Daniel Berger. Oh, he's played Augusta, man. Like okay, Burger's we'll like take. a President's no, no, Cup, Ryder Cup, like world class player, like for three, four years before his injury. Okay, man. okay. Chetty, who you got? He's a Korean born man. We're born the same year. I'm Sung Jae. He won last year. Can you do it again? That's the call, I guess. Hey, back to back, back to back. I like it. Was he last year victory? Or was he two years ago? But yeah, I was thinking about picking him too. Well, but I, I guess too, he, to he's the defending champion because it this didn't wasn't play. Played last they didn't year, play right? last year. They shut down, oh yeah, they didn't shut down play last TPC. year. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I was thinking about him too, but I don't know if you can take it's a tough guy to, to repeat. Yeah, repeat. Yeah. I don't know. It's tough to say, and he's been kind of struggling. Well, not really. He's been playing good. Thing about that guy is he doesn't take a week off, and uh, actually, he uh, hasn't didn't buy a house for the first two years of his career. He just uh, slept out of his car and stayed in a hotel with his coach and parents all throughout this past year, right in the fall, he decided to buy a house. So he finally, after two years making 10 mil, he's number 18. He's number 18 in the world right now. Yeah. He finally decided to buy a house. So maybe just time to get settled in and lock in another win. DB, I know we're a couple weeks away here from the masters, but if you're kind of thinking right now, you're kind of looking at the odds looking for a guy to little place a little future on where's your head out with the whole situation there yeah i don't know it'd probably be between again like bryson give him another shot or justin thomas spieth like i would like to give a shot but at the same time i i don't think uh he needs a couple more reps and under the gun like he's just getting back to old days like he needs a couple more of those uh late sundays but yeah, I don't know. JT seems to be playing unreal. His ball striking, his iron play was pretty How good was JT out. on Sunday? Hey, I know Saturday he was unbelievable, and we were kind of worried, can he do it again? You kind of were a little skeptical. Usually when you play that good, it's hard to kind of replicate it. But, man, yeah, like he, he didn't he miss, like, a shot, hey? Like, he missed some putts. That was really the only thing holding him back from going low because it was just green and red, green and red, green and red. Like, the only green and red he missed the entire round was 18 where he hit the fringe, and for all intents and purposes, he was on the green. Yeah, he was kind of pissed off about that. <laughs> He's talking. He he knew it too going yeah. into 18 that he hasn't missed a green. Yeah. And then he hit it on the fringe and he was pissed off because that stack got ruined. <laughs> that was that was an unreal Sunday. I was I was dialed in. I was riding your pick and uh enjoyed watching the money coming yeah. down after. Back nine, I was pretty confident that JT would get it done just with the amount of like golf that I watch a weekly. I just knew like half those guys wouldn't hang. Like it is between like Bryson. 
Like I knew Lee Westwood, like no matter how good he's been playing, it's not going to, JT's like yeah, a whole other level. You could tell that Lee didn't like have it on Bryson, Sunday. Either like Bryson and then John Rom. Yeah, and John Rom, like he's a good player, but I just knew he wouldn't be there. Like, I don't know what it is with him. And recently, he's just not a closer. How electric was that JT? Uh, was it the five iron from 235? Put to, to just a matter of inches. That was when you just knew that, yeah, this guy ain't losing. Yeah, it was like a 20 foot. He put it to like 10 or 15 feet past the hole and cashed in Eagle. No, and, no, I'm uh, thinking of the one on 16. He put it to like inches. Oh, that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was an unbelievable shot. Yeah. Yeah, I'm happy that he won just because of the PPP pick, but I would have also loved to see Bryson go back to back. Like, that would have been super sick in my mind, too. But, and like, yeah, I don't know. He didn't get beat. He kind of beat him. Like, the putts weren't just like that guy pretty much missed every putt that you would make on a winning week. He missed it all, <laughs> even on 18. Just lipped around and pieced. But, yeah, love to know. see it. Adam Scott, you hear me? Back to back to back. That's your pick. There the listeners have it. Hope DB can uh, pull through for you guys again. But uh, we'll have another episode coming next week. Until then.